Joe, what do you call two birds stuck together? What? Velcro. Velcro. Oh. Okay. Okay. Uh, uh, Hey. Joe, you know why Peter Pan is always flying? Why? He never lands. Never lands. Oh, never lands. Oh, my God. These... They're you, gold. They're is that gold. Dimitri Martin over there? <laughs> I can't he see. He doesn't want to be molested by Michael Jackson. I oh. think so. He never, never lands. Um, this is Jacques. <sighs> oh, you're going to have to die, Coke. Not a Coke. That's Zero. fine. I'm on a dime. I'm on a diet. I got to watch my figure. <laughs> <laughs> and, the, and that big hunk of man over there is Joe. Welcome to Carnival Personnel. Uh, big, big week for Joe and I. You know, uh, you know. I, I'm going to mix it up a little here. Joe and I have a, a date night. Pretty excited about our date tonight, Joe. I am. I'm, I'm glad they brought back amyl nitrate for this reason alone. You see, <laughs> yeah, I am. It's, oh, yeah. We're actually going to go see people perform at a venue. Real comedy. Real comedy. Real comedy. And then hopefully we'll learn something about comedy that we could take back. That we're not good at. (laughs) Right. We suck. Let me tell you why we suck at podcasting. Um, I've never, you know, had the desire to go out ever, and Joe's even less, but there's a thing. It's the 25th year. uh, Comics Come Home, hosted by Dennis Leary and Cam Neely. Uh, the, The lineup's pretty great. Management, I guess. Got us tickets four months ago. I swear she told me. I swear she didn't. It doesn't matter. She has them anyways. She can't go. So, uh, which uh, which is why Joe is going because I'm your only other friend. Pretty pretty much. Oh, no, you know. Because I was thinking that I'm like, well, the funny thing is, at first, because she has to work it overnight, she's going to take the boys. Some. Oh, great. I'll get a night off. Not so fast. I'm ob- even though I'm not going to be there, I'm obligating you to be doing stuff somewhere else. So. <laughs> is she going to have Dennis Leary's number so that she can text him during? Is my husband there? Make sure. Uh, no, the great thing is um, it was supposed to be with her friend and her friend's husband who, you know, eh, it's fine. It's fine. What isn't fine, I don't know, I put this on the rundown, did you hear that the Hollywood Superman has uh, ceased to be? I did. And I, I didn't really know about him because I didn't live in L.A. and I don't really follow that kind of stuff closely. But, yeah, the Hollywood uh, Superman that you're talking about is a guy who dressed up. He was like the one of the, the first. Some people say he's the first. Uh, at least, if not the first, the first to really do it as of note in Dude's been doing it for 30 years, or you know, uh, close to 30 years. And by it, you mean dressing up as Superman, as Superman. and walking on Hollywood Boulevard in front of like Man's, Man's Chinese. Chinese. He looked a lot like, you know, and that's how it started. He was a waiter in a restaurant and somebody, you know, a wannabe actor, somebody pointed out how much he looked like Christopher Reeves and just kind of took it to heart and, you know, that became his, his, his life. Um, he was... He was famous. I mean, there was a documentary. He was a big part of a couple documentaries on that kind of life. He was on Jimmy Kimmel a number of times to shoot right across the street. Um, and it, you've you've been out there. It used to be. I mean, he's the one that started it, and you would have these great actors in great costumes. Over the last few years, it's really kind of gotten out of hand. Like, also, it, it's now they now do a lot in Times Square. Yep. Right, these unlicensed 
you know, uh, guys dressed up as Elmo that may or may not have a fondness for your 12-year-old daughter while you're taking a picture with them. Those kind of creeps. I mean, there's some, like a couple of years ago when we were in L.A., our little guy who was going through a Pirates of the Caribbean phase, there was a dude, you swear, it was not just Johnny Depp, but Johnny Depp who stepped right out of, like, the Star Wagon makeup trailer and walked onto the set. It looked amazing. But he actually did do that at a children's hospital. Remember that story? It's funny. Uh, a lot, you know, people have done that. But, yeah, he did it, and he looked amazing. But they have it, you know, and I'm I'm not all for, you know, regulating everything, but they started to do that just because people were getting out of hand and they still are. And lots of times, you know, when people come up, you're trying to take a picture, they're trying to jump in the picture with you and then say, you owe me five bucks, you know, for taking a picture with me. It's like, no, I don't owe you any. But anyway, so this guy, famous, you know, in, in that world, uh, but I guess he fell on hard times, ended up being homeless and there's a doc in one of the documentaries. He lives in a shoe closet. He does it. The square footage of where we're doing the podcast out of this is like a studio apartment comparison. Literally cut this in half, maybe in a third. It's what he lived in, and it was wall to wall. You couldn't see anything on the wall that you know, wasn't Superman. And he lived above a bowling alley and below another bowling alley. <laughs> How often do the trains go by? So often you don't even notice. So that you know, oh, you know, way to start off a a, a podcast on a somber yeah, note. But so his name was Christopher Dennison. He was this like fifty two, and it, and. The article that I read was from a few days ago, and they said that the cause of death was still unknown. So I, I don't know. You don't have an update, right? You don't know how he died. I, I know where they found him. Hmm. Halfway in a um, one of those clothing bins, the people were saying, "Well, maybe he was going in there to either keep warm uh, or to get clothes." Or, but yeah. uh, it's, it's just it's sad. It, it it really it really is. But hey, comedy. Well, who, uh, who had a worse death, Christopher Reeve or yeah. this guy? You know, I I, I, I I do feel bad, and I, I always felt a little bad, but I was the worst person on the planet because I used to make awful Christopher Reeve jokes about, you know, a lot of side used jokes. To. You, you <laughs> um, so we got that. It, and while we're talking about, like, Superman, so for reasons we won't discuss, I'm not looking at TV or listening to radio in the past week. And so when I go to the gym, I don't even want to look up because it's always a bank of screens with like FS1, ESPN, Nesson and stuff. So while on the different machines, this week I've been re-watching the original um, Justice League series, Justice League, the animated series, which is great from... Is it the late 90s? 2000, 2001 to 2004 was the first incarnation, oh, and then okay. like 2005 to 2008 was the second. And they're really, really well done. But I'm watching that at the gym the other day, and I catch myself in the mirror as I'm toweling off of the Batman towel wearing a flash shirt watching that. I'm like, wow. Wow, you a man child. <laughs> you know? And, and seriously, it's like, the, you know, I, I always have my Green Lantern ring on me, so I, I do. I, there, there's those moments where, to anyone listening, yes, I'm aware. <laughs> and are you using a Superman towel? So ba Batman towel. Oh, no, Batman towel. Flash shirt. Right. That's right. Green Lantern ring. Watching the Justice League, right? You know, working out so I can look like those guys at fifty. Uh huh. It, it'll, it'll work it's out for you. Getting there? Is yeah. it getting there? It's, yeah, it's starting to show. Um. So 
Joe, I have not, while talking about my love of all things DC and superhero-ish, I have not yet seen The Joker. Hmm. I did, however, prepare to be a little jealous, saw the animated Adams Family this week. Ooh, how was it? Afternoon showing, there was only two other people in the theater with the boys, the audio was fucked up. And, and, and it's like, and nobody's working there, and... The previews were bad. I say the guy at the front, and in my head, I'm like, well, here's the bright side. is after the movie, I'm going to get my money back, so it's not going to cost me anything, and I feel less guilty about taking a nap. Right. <laughs> so, so you got a free nap at – you were basically homeless for two hours. Yeah, but the boys really liked it. Okay. They have low standards, though. Oh, my God. The shit they watch is fucking horrible. Right. It truly is. It, it was fine. It, but it was. And I know it's the oldest complaint that people have. It's like, how how unoriginal can, can you get? Like, how many times can you repurpose? And it's fun because, you know, Halloween, the last couple weeks, the boys watched the movies. You know, almost at like, you know, the original movies from like the 90s, which were from the TV show. I didn't bother to look this up. Maybe I should have. Was it the Monsters first and then the Addams Family, or was it the other way around? Gosh, I know that the Addams Family was based on a popular comic strip. So, and I, and I think the Monsters was an original. So, I want to say Addams Family was first, and the Monsters were sort of the cash in. I think. I think. <laughs> we'll get there. You know. You know. We'll get there now. Um, and I'll tie it all in. Yeah. So, our, our good, our good friend John. You know, anybody have a slip and fall case and need, you know, a good lawyer in L.A. Let me know. Um, I'll set you up with our buddy John. Did you read the article that he forwarded me about Gilbert Gottfried? It was pretty. It was really good. I was actually reading it before you sent it to me, but I didn't finish it. But it was all about, you know, how he, how Gilbert was. Um, uh, you know, telling off the off color jokes and how you can't do that anymore, and about the they touched on the Aflac thing, and it seemed like the interviewer didn't like was probably young, substantially younger, and didn't quite know like a lot of the history of Gilbert right. Gottfried. Because like, I'm reading it, and it's probably you. I'm like, and <laughs> yeah, like a lot of this was like he. I guess the interviewer didn't realize that Aflac's. Uh, base clientele was 90% in Japan, and that was one of the main reasons why it, it, it was led for them. That led Affleck to fire Gilbert Gottfried after he posted all those awful, awful jokes. By awful, I mean <laughs> after the tsunami in and, Japan. And he was, he was the first, you know, he, he was a pioneer in a lot of different ways. I mean, he was the first, you know, celebrity of note to ruin their career with social media um and the whole article and it, it, it's what you know john had i think you know really pointed out is how gilbert spent the last 40 years right there right right there not not quite here but right <laughs> there. like he can see over there from here but he just never really got, you know, there. Not here or here so much. Right, right. about here. Not your face. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, and it is. It's it's very much like a, a Norm McDonald story. Somebody who was on the 
precipice of breaking through and having a more substantial career. What I liked is, I mean, Gilbert, I, I don't think he's ever had fucks to give. I, I, I really don't think he's ever, a, even in the younger days, been afraid of pissing off the powers that be. Yeah, he even says, you know, he when he was younger, he had stupidity on his side because he was 15 years old when he first started doing stand-up comedy, and he just didn't know any better. Like, he didn't know not to be afraid or didn't know, like, not to um, go there every night and walk in the rain and the snow to get to the club because he had to perform. Um, but, yeah, as far as his, like, attitude towards comedy, like, they talked about... After 9-11, they did the Hugh Hefner roast, and that's where he told that joke about, uh, I would have been here earlier, but my plane had to make an emergency pit stop at the Empire State Building. Somebody somebody yelled too soon, lost the crowd, and then he launched into the classic aristocrats (sighs) joke. Which, which, I mean, that documentary is amazing, but, Mm -hmm. you know... With with the Affleck thing, with the roast, but then he talked, one day he just... Stop getting calls to come to the roast. Although, you know, I mean, Jeffrey Ross has become the roast master. Which I think he's a bit over. I think he's completely overrated. Well, he's turned it into a, a cottage industry. Like, that's his thing. He's like, he knew that that's where he was going to be. Basically, franchise himself, his brand, his, you know, his style. Um, he did get, however, Jeffrey Ross brought Gilbert in to do the historical roast. Which was great. He, he, did he, Adolf, he, he played Adolf Hitler on the Netflix special. That was that was fun, and then um, you know when he talked about he'll never be on uh, cars and coffee with Jerry Seinfeld, comedians and cars getting coffee, yeah, yeah, because that was great because he used to just shit on Seinfeld, but he thought that's kind of what you do, you shit on each other, but Jerry kind of wouldn't he in the older days like he would go on before Jerry and then like start making fun of Jerry. Do Jerry's act. Yeah. While Jerry's backstage, kind of fuming, but kind of getting it at the same time. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a fun, sad, but fun, but it's a Gilbert. I mean, it's not sad. I mean, yeah. Like we said, these are things you, you just know. Gilbert, I think, I think is my first podcast, the Gilbert Gottfried, amazing, colossal podcast. That was what got me into Pod like listening to podcasts, and, and so blame him for this fucking piece of shit you're listening to now. <laughs> hey, but, hey, hey! I'm right. Oh, you meant the show, Carnival right. Personnel? I thought a little from column A, a little from column B. <laughs> but it was also the first thing after I started listening to a bunch of episodes. I was at a party of yours at your at your mom's house with you, and you said, um, and I I said, if you love me, I said to you, if you love me, you will listen to the Gilbert Gottfried Amazing Colossal Podcast, and then you yeah, became a yeah. devotee, and until the Patriots started playing. And so now let's bring it back around. We we've always Joe and I have always independently had a love of Paul Lynn, but but I think Gilbert helped us take it to another level with all these stories that we would not have known. Uh, Gilbert's podcast. He has a lot of iconic people, but he has a lot of bit characters and behind the scenes people. And I don't think you go more than a podcast and a half without somebody having a great Paul Lynn story, to which today Joe's new tax write-off is. Oh, yes. Oh, am I on? You, this, you, you're, you're, my line, George? Yeah. Uh, so I have a – I bought a book uh, for reading because I was influenced – Show off. <laughs> because I was influenced by the latest Gilbert Gottfried – 
uh, Amazing Colossal Obsession episode, which is only available on Stitcher Premium. So you have to pay for that. Uh, El Cheapo over there. What? <laughs> the Jews. What? Oh, oh the, so you got to say it in the Paul Lind voice because you just said the Jews <laughs> after I said you got to pay for that. <laughs> so I'm trying to. Anyways, all oh, those Jews. They're the reason I didn't have a bigger career. Anyway, where I'm rambling about is uh, the author of a biography about Paul Lind was on the latest Gilbert Godfrey podcast episode, and she got to know Paul personally because when she was 17 years old, she was a fan, like actually had a real genuine crush on Paul Lind. Like she said in her book, she took down her Donny Osmond posters in 1975 and put up Paul Lind posters because he was so handsome to her and so funny and she had a real affinity for him. So she lived in the author, this woman named uh, Carol, I'm sorry, Kathy Fitzgibbon Rudolph. She grew up in like um, in, in Long Island and uh, she was obsessed with Paul Lind to the point where she was doing some research on him at the library about like showbiz people, found some books and this is 75, mind you. And in one of the books, it had, you know, Paul Lind's management's phone number. So if you wanted to get into contact with their man- his management, you- here's the number. So she immediately, like, asked her mom, she- could she call long distance to Los Angeles for this, you know, this very important and phone after call? after her mother beat her, <laughs> 1975, well, that you was know. A- you know, maybe maybe the father took turns in here. And anyways, <laughs> so she <clears throat> she calls the management number and... Paul Lind answers the phone, and he's like, "How did you get this number?" And uh, she said, "Mo gave it to me. You know, Larry gave it to me." <laughs> ah, shit, I blew it. Anyway, that was a joke about the Three Stooges. Anyways, uh, she said, "No, I found it in a book." And uh, he said, "How dare a book do that? That's my home phone number." But then they started talking, and she gushed over him. But they had like a uh, an instant connection over did, the phone. Did he hit on her? I don't think so. Okay. No. I know. Because he was a gentleman I, ahead of the curve. He was woke. I, I don't know. I think he just liked her. I think he just liked her. So long story short, she meets him when next time he's in New York because he agrees. She's like, as long as, you, as, long as your father takes you, you know. And they meet at a hotel that he's staying at where when they arrive, the hotel's on fire or there's a fire in the hotel. But the lobby's still open. Is this your way of saying Paul Lynn was flaming? Flame, he was flaming. Yes, that's right. <laughs> But uh, anyways, uh, she sees him in the lobby. They go have a chat, which was supposed to be for five minutes, lasted two hours. They established a connection, and he was friends with uh, she was friends with him until he, he died in eighty two. Um, but uh, it's a pretty I'm about uh, three chapters in. It's a light read. It's only like two hundred pages, and there's some picture. And there's pictures of her with Paul and other stuff of like younger pictures of Paul when he was like a fat kid and in uh growing up and in high school uh it talks about how you know he had, he was like 200 and something pounds like he was a really big fat kid he was a tall you know he's a tall guy too he's like six foot but yeah i'm, I'm starting to learn more about paul lind than i ever wanted to know um that's impossible <laughs> so he wasn't just, just the hollywood squares he was more than the hollywood squares so yeah i'm 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 enjoying it and uh i'm also going to use that to help perfect my Paul Lind impersonation because man does it need a lot of work. I listened to the last time I did a Paul Lind and um oof. 
Was that your your Paul Lynn, Charles Nelson, Raleigh duel? No, it was me reading the uh, It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Okay. Which is wonderful. Now, I don't want to um, rock your world to the core or upset you. And maybe it's the oldest uh, talking point, but I'm just uh, an uncouth, unread, like troglodyte. Have Has anyone ever brought I up? I say this, troglodyte. Because you said troglodyte. And that's a little... Yeah. I'm, okay. a, I'm, oh, a now cave, I'm a lesbian caveman. There we go. You're saying. <laughs> but maybe you're a troglodyte. Okay, go on. Uh, anyone ever talk about how racist Back to the Future is? <laughs> um, no. I had this thought on the way over. The, no, the other day, I don't know what made me think this other than uh, I'm a bad person and then I can't wait to get here and ruin Joe's favorite movie. Uh, so... In the 50s, what's the town that they live in? Hill Valley. Pretty nice town, right? Yes. Well kept. A slice of Americana. And uh, well, well, you know, high school, like, like maybe post-high school black kids sweeping up in the soda shop, you know, um, has dreams of being a mayor. Mayor Goldie Wilson. And uh, he gets a little ridiculed by the, uh, by the man, by, by his Lou. boss. Yeah. Uh, he does become mayor. Mr. Carruthers, actually. Correct. He does in the 80s. Right. How, how's Hill Valley under Goldie? It's a, You know, it, it could use some improvement. Yeah. I mean, you know. So what, are they saying that, oh, the town was great till the black guy took over? Possibly. Okay. Possibly, yeah. I think so. I mean, may, maybe it was kind of like Mayor Denkins in New York City. And then at the end of the I movie, when, when Marty is playing Chuck Berry... But his cousin is here, letting Chuck Berry hear him play Chuck Berry. They say that white man invented the Chuck Berry sound in rock and roll. Yes, yes, white man invented <laughs> invented uh, invented rock and roll, black rock and roll. Yeah. So, uh huh. So I just wanted to point that out. Oh yeah, I yeah, knew that. You know, okay. That's actually what drew, drew me to it. <laughs> I was getting waiting for you to get to the point of where you're going to spoil the movie for me. <laughs> so. uh the uh, the next uh, the next time I say, hey, the uh, our local sports team is playing. Let's go to the Buffalo Wild Wing that we went to. Um, let's not. That was a freak accident, sir. What the, what the fact that the one time we went there, the volume was so loud. Yeah. Did you feel like an old an old guy? It's too loud. Turn down that music. I can't hear myself. Shit. <laughs> Uh, so we did uh, two years ago. Joe and I and a number of our friends went to see a sporting event at the Buffalo Wild Wing in Burlington, Massachusetts. It was a season opener, right next to uh, where where they once had. Or it was the same location next to where they used to have the um, the baseball card, the sketchy the sketchy award and baseball card expo at the Howard Johnson. That's right. It used to be a Howard Johnson's. Yeah. And the old man Peabody owned all of it. It used to be farmland as far as the eye could see. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that that I'm, I'm on the interweb the other day. Um, one of the few times I'm on the interweb not looking at porn. And I see uh, one dead and 11 hospitalized at a Buffalo Wild Wing. And, and instantly I think, oh, great. It's another you know shooting thing. And then I click on the story. It's like Burlington Mass. I'm like, oh, I think I would have heard about this. But, uh, you know. So somebody confused the uh, floor wax with a dessert topping. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I actually saw the news report on Channel 5, and, and uh, yeah, it's it's pretty, I mean, it was a freak accident. It was like, I guess <clears throat> there were, a, it was during like the dinner rush, and one employee was going to clean the kitchen floor with a, like a solvent, but didn't realize that they had accidentally had another solvent that had spilled onto the floor in the same location, and the the mixture of the two solvents created a hazardous chemical reaction, a toxic chemical reaction. So the spiller actually like left and, you know, the manager, uh, you know, some 32 year old guy, he goes in to try to squeegee out like the, 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 the concoction out the back door, like to sort of squeegee it out of there. But he became, he over, he was overcome by the fumes and died. Uh, or it got passed out and later died. But yeah, it was sort of like just like this weird freak accident. But you know, I think they're now making that into a uh, a dip at Buffalo <laughs> Wild Wings. So look for that. <laughs> so yes, you are. We are bad people. Uh, at least we can laugh about it. Um, no, it's funny, Joe and I. There was you know there was a Howard Johnson's on that spot years ago when when we did. An old sketch show. We, you know, it was based. We just used the exterior for there. Hilarious stuff. And do I confuse stuff that we did or the dessert topping floor wax? No, we did that. Oh, that was us. But that was a ripoff of an old Saturday Night Live. Okay, all right. I was just a floor wax. No, it's well, no floor wax dessert topping was the SNL sketch. We did. It's a deodorant. It's a dessert topping. Oh, and then somebody comes in. And then I, I come in. It's both. <laughs> and I spread this sort of like maybe like Thousand Island dressing type substance under my bare armpits. And uh, Jacques proceeds to <laughs> lick it off me. Not directly because that would be gay. That would be weird, you know, or hot. Uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so, so. You know, jumping now to this week, you know, and, and what's happening that, you know, you know what really grinds my gears? What are your thoughts on Bloomberg jumping into the race? Stupid. Waste of time. More billionaires. Why is he doing it? Um, to just, I guess, uh, exert his power. Wrong. To keep his power of Well, yeah, well, in the past week, so... He had said, you know, he, like the guy who's in there now for decades, has been threatening to run and sometimes looks into it serious and sometimes doesn't, was saying all last year that he really might. And the people around him said he really might this time. He said he was waiting to see if Joe Biden jumped in, said things along the line like he, he like, like Joe Biden can beat this guy and he is attuned to the same politics. Joe Biden jumps in. We don't hear anything from Bloomberg for a while until, until, until Elizabeth Warren really starts to make waves. And Elizabeth Warren, what I've always liked about her more than any candidate, I really like Bernie. I always have. But more than any other candidate, she 100% puts out there what her plans are and how she plans to implement things, not these sweeping generalizations. I mean, she even has on her like her website, like a wealth tax calculator that if you want to put in there somebody like a Bill Gates or Bloomberg, what their net worth would be, even if you, her taxes are put into place. So you can see it's like, OK, so this guy has 
eight billion dollars. I want to tax what we used to <laughs> eight, <laughs> whatever it is. Uh, but whatever billion, no. But seriously, and she she wants to go to like the 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 taxes that that class paid in the mid eighties, like before the Reagan started the whole the trickle down bullshit. It's. It's just mind-numbing how much money you still have. Uh, but that's one of the things. In the last week, and help me with this work because I always fuck it up, the great philanthropist Bill Gates, who has said he wants to die and leave nothing behind. He wants to give all his money away. Uh, he has been very outspoken about Elizabeth Warren last week. We know that you know Zuckerberg is completely losing his shit over the rise of Elizabeth Warren. But this week, yeah, Bloomberg is afraid. He he wants to come into the race. You know, I'll spend $500 million, you know, to save the $501 million I might lose in taxes over an eight-year Warren presidency. Yeah, and people have been saying this on Twitter, which is where I get all my opinions from and where I form my opinions because I am just an empty vessel. But long story short, billionaires want to control where their money is going and how it's going to be spent. So I think the idea of the government taking hundreds of billions of dollars or even tens of billions of dollars from them each year to spend on whatever. And I think that might maybe that's the sticking point is because a lot of this tax money isn't earmarked for specific spending. You know, a lot of this is just, it goes into a coffer. You know what I mean? Like there, And what is the highest priority right now in the budget is defense. So it's almost like... Well, with, with again, with a Bernie, with an AOC, with, with Warren, they're flat out saying, we can pay college debt. This is where the money comes from. Mm-hmm. We can have Medicare for all. This is where the... They're not saying we're going to take this money and just go into... An unknown fund. It's like, okay, people are saying, how are you going to pay for this? And that's what I like. This is how we're going to pay for it. And I will show you. If if we raise the Walmart heirs, the Koch brothers, the Gates, the Bloombergs, and I'm not talking the sweeping generalization people like them, but just you just take the 20 wealthiest people in the country and have them pay not even their fair share, but 1% more. There goes t- college debt. I kind of wonder. It makes you wonder. It does make you wonder, though. And maybe Bloomberg is more upfront about his tax returns and how he's taxed currently. But it makes you wonder if maybe the billionaires are afraid of being found out. How? Yes. You know, like being yeah. basically audited on how their money has been accumulated. Because if they're taxed on it, then, you know then that means, well, okay, well, we, now the government has to look even closer at their income and then that maybe unearth some uh, dubious practices that they might be practicing right. to earn that money. Like Epstein. Like, where did he get those... Lot, oh. Yeah, lots of money. Like, where did all that money come from? Right. It, this, this, there's trillions of dollars in dirty money out there right now. So a lot of them, is, a lot of that money is being washed through charities set up by billionaires. <laughs> Nice segue. Oh, okay. Speaking of a charity set up by a and by the t- fraudulent by, billionaire. And by the way, I'm glad you noticed my segue because it's been sitting down here for weeks. <laughs> I don't use it that much, but I did buy it, and I'm glad you you liked it. <laughs> I would uh, shut up, Joe. <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> we um, 
No, it, it, it is just – we say it all the time. Everybody on our side of the fence says it. I don't understand how the guy at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is not in jail. And, I, and I'm not being funny. Yet again, how many times in the past just couple of years has he been found guilty of fraud? And this isn't – Well, he hasn't been tried on anything, so he can't be found guilty. Well, that's true. That's true. Good point. How, yeah. So I guess how He's many times – He's been brought up been, on fraud charges. How many times has he been accused of fraud? Well, accused of fraud to the point where Trump University had to pay $25 million to make that thing go away. And for, and, you know, for the last few years, people have been joking about and talking about the – the uh, the fraudulent you know Trump everybody the worst kept secret everybody knew that the what is it the Donald J Trump Charity Foundation, Foundation yeah. has never written a check for anything other than um, buying a picture of himself paying off like you know debts and stuff like that paying off uh, hookers hookers literally paying hookers yes yes you could say a porn actress but anyways it is what it is but yet again. To to keep it from going to a trial, had to, well. Here's the interesting thing. So this settlement calls for not just paying a two million dollar, but he has to had his lawyers and open court had to admit to the fraud, had to absolutely publicly admit to the fraud, and he himself has to write a letter to the court explaining the different um, fraudulent activities that. And I, and I hope they make him follow through on that. Yeah, because I want to see how he composes a letter. Because that'd be, be funny as shit. <laughs> right? Exactly. But <laughs> it's like, like reading one of your tweets. Hey, oh, Joe, you are the worst. I'm just, just, just. No, the worst is his son. And I know we know his worst, but it's this week. I don't get offended by many things, you know. And I'm not a big patriot flag waver. Flag, flag waver. There you go. Take the marbles out of your mouth. Um, I've been to Arlington National Cemetery. It it is a haunting kind of vibe and feeling and and the 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 different war monuments and the Vietnam War monument in Washington DC. The piece of shit Trader Tot. Did you hear what he said just the other day? No. Uh and, and this is Veterans Weekend. This this post on Veterans Day. Uh driving by Arlington National Cemetery the other day. It really made him think of the sacrifices that his family has made, the business deals that they've had to pass up on because his father's president and and the um, – uh, I'm trying to think of how he said it, but basically the public ridicule and scorn and stuff. The sacrifices that they – seeing the rows of soldiers' graves at Arlington made him think of his family's sacrifice. Yeah. You fucking piece of shit. Right. And I can't wait till he's president in six years or yeah, six years. Yeah, six years. Isn't that it? Yeah, I think that's what's going to happen, dude. I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, it was disgusting the other. It was hilarious and disgusting the other day. Jimmy Kimmel, I caught this side by side, um, Obama's speech to the nation about Bin Laden and, and Blotuses. It, 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 about it, ISIS, yeah. It was. It was. If it wasn't so tragic, it would be comedy. And then, you know, there's where the comedy lies. Uh, But you see this piece of shit say something like that. And again, how many vets, how many deployed soldiers, how many families of soldiers have to see them ridicule Gold Star families, uh, talk about 
generals and other people who don't bow down to him as if they're pieces of shit. But how does they not listen to somebody, you know, to him say, oh, I see the soldiers at Arlington. I think of the sacrifices we make because we could have made more money. Well, that's where the Republicans sort of can collectively uh, tune into the Cartoon Network in their mind <laughs> and not pay attention to that because they have selective hearing. So I'll ask you a, a fair question. So when I had sent out this rundown, don't even have to ask it. Epstein didn't kill himself. <laughs> that was the best. Um, I, so, you know, it came out after Halloween, and we I haven't seen you since Halloween. We recorded, and, you know, just after that. But I didn't know about the wall that they had kids build at the White House. You know, yeah. When they visited the White House, there was an, uh, a, a you know, there's a wall in the White House hallway, and they had kids actively add bricks, like paper bricks, to this wall. According to the White House. I mean, we don't even believe that. I, 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 is it true? It's true. Yeah, and it said build the wall. Like the letters at the top said build the wall. And they had kids, I guess, adding bricks to this thing. Now, I'm I'm not a good person. I'm even a worse parent. Uh, and I, as, I, as I point out so many times, you know, what a homophobic, racist, misogynistic piece of shit I am. That said, you know. I've always, I've always said, you know, our boys growing up in LA and living in a very diverse neighborhood and stuff like that. And I, I remember, I remember talking to the wife one time. I think our oldest wasn't two or was just about two. Playground right around the corner from our house, and Monday through Friday it was all Latino, um, and on the weekends it was all black. It, but, and we went over there, and my kid always had, and I'm not kidding, a half a dozen lightsabers. And kids don't care if you can't talk to each other what color you are. It's like, I'm going down this slide. You're going down the slide. We are best friends. I have an extra lightsaber. Let's play. And and I just, you know, I'm not like an epiphany, but I always, you know, it always hit me. It's like, man, you know, you have to teach them not to like each other. You have, you have to go out of your way and point something out. And it's like this is just teaching kids to hate. I mean, it's it, the the grotesqueness of it, it. It it hit me. But then on the way here, literally, I had a run by Target, and um, I'm getting getting the provisions for this uh, this recording down in the bunker because you never know how long we're going to get snowed in here, or or, or or you know, right? We could end up eating each other, which. I pray we do. You know, it's like I do look delicious. <laughs> you know, I've, like I said. Anyway, it was, so there is a very old gentleman. Not my, my my dad's eighty, but he's a really healthy eighty and active eighty. This guy could be seventy five. He could be ninety five, but a very unwell looking older white man on a lark um, shopping, and he, he has a mega hat on. Mm. And my youngest one, as we're walking by, points it out. It's like, oh, Papa, look, he likes Donald Trump. Am I the bad guy on the other side of the pendulum? Because I said to my son, yeah, d don't worry. He, he'll be dead soon. Um, let's see. Which what? my son thought was hilarious. But I, I did. I, I thought it's like, yeah, you know what? Most of those crap bags will be dead. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, you know. I guess you could do the philosophy of everybody's your brother and, you know, or just like, well, that's fine. But it's, you know, he's he has a right to his own opinion or, um, you know, oh, he's older. And with, with the older you get, the more conservative you get. And 
you know, Donald Trump's all about making people more afraid and maybe that means something more to this guy. That's why he likes Donald Trump is because he's going to drive out the things that make him the most afraid, which is black people and Mexicans and but we're foreigners. Like this is a target of Lowell. I'm thinking how many people see that and think he probably, you know what? That guy probably lived in Lowell before the influx of non-white people. Oh, it's always been, it's always been, it's always been uh, diverse. It, it, I mean, it literally it's where the immigrants came. So whatever yeah. piece of shit immigrants it was would come to Lowell the first. Irish. The Irish, the Italian, whoever. The drunk Irish. The drunk Irish. The really drunk uh, oh, Irish. Oh, kind, right? You know? the, yeah, the, the bleeding, the, the fighting Irish, <laughs> which is the name of a fucking football team. So uh, fuck you if you're offended. The fighting Irish. <laughs> right. What's the matter with you? It's like the Redskins. Anyways, don't get me off of the tangent on football names. But, yeah. So, yeah, you're, I don't know, I guess, yeah. But, you know, we, everybody's, everybody indoctrinates their kids into all sorts of things. And who knows? But I'm indoctrinating into the right things, right? Well, let's think about this. What about, you heard about Jesse Waters, this guy on uh, The Five on Fox News? I think he's on The Five, or he's on Fox News. But last week, he I guess they did this thing where, like, he reads his tweets from his mom, and his mom is, like, a really liberal, democratic, like, uh, professor or something, and she basically, you know, tweet—or not tweets, but texts to him, um, you know, be careful what you say because your hate is really coming out, or, you know, people are, you know, going to find out how much hate—don't let the hate overtake you on—you know, it's basically pointing out, hey— you're a Republican piece of shit. I love you unconditionally, but maybe don't be such a overt Republican piece of shit on television. And he goes on and just sort of shows it like, huh, that darn mom of mine, always trying to, you know, we always get at each other's nerves, but we love each other kind of thing. So, you know, did he, did his mother try to indoctrinate him or is it the Alex P. Keaton syndrome where he right. was, right. you know, rebelling against a hippie, educated liberal leaning parent so i don't know i i guess yeah i don't know maybe you should be wearing a maga hat and you know and that way when your kids rebel against you your reverse psychology will work so um i and joe will probably edit this out you're the only one hearing me say that right now joe not the, only uh, the now ready now but later when you're listening back to this for for self-indulgent theater, will you just play your rant of your Tommy Boy rant when we first see every week? Oh, yeah. I'll preface it in case you do play it. Every week we record for like 30 seconds just to make sure everything's working. Um, I, I really wish on a week that we can't do a podcast that Joe takes the time to go through and take the hundred plus episodes that we've done these 30 second ramblings. Sometimes they're really awful things. Uh, I can't believe the things that come out of my own mouth when I know we're just joking around. But today we just like often go on a rant for something. And then Joe just, you know, saw the loose ball at the five and picked it up and ran at the 95 yards to the other end. So doing his one man interpretation of, uh, of Tommy boy, the, uh, a couple scenes from Tommy boy, but maybe that's a self-indulgent theater. And if so, enjoy the self-indulgent theater or, um, this is all being edited out. <laughs> yeah. Let's just talk for two hours straight and then not have any record of it. Genius. What an idiot. Shut, Shut up, Richard. <laughs> no, wait. It's got to be your bowl. I mean, you have derailed. Shut up, Richard. 
Boy, I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> <laughs> Look, what he's trying to say is our brake pads are really awesome. <laughs> now, let's just say you're driving along. You're driving along. You're driving along. <laughs> tire in the road. <laughs> Whoa, that was close. Now let's see what would happen if you used one of the other guy's brake pads. You're driving along, driving along. <laughs> Kids are yelling in the back. Daddy, we want to go home. Shut up. <laughs> Truck tire. <laughs> I can't stop. <laughs> oh! I'm on fire. <laughs> Meat wagon pulls up. Corridor comes out. Oh, my God. <laughs> New guy in the back's puking. <laughs> All because you wanted to save a couple of bucks. Now, don't you think? Get out. Now! <laughs> Do you validate? <laughs> and speaking of hot mics, you know, when we do our sound checks, you, it's not on the rundown, but the Amy Robach hot mic. Did you hear, not hear about that story? No. What? Oh, wow. You've really been off of it's social media. Done. Amy, a ever, ever since Sunday night. <laughs> oh, my. <clears throat> so, Amy Robach is a reporter on ABC News. She does 2020. And um, sometimes she does a Good Morning America and stuff. But she's an ABC News reporter. Back in August, you know, she was recorded. You know, it's almost like the uh, fuck it, we'll do it live kind of thing. It was the, 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 it was the role that was running between segments either during a commercial break or during a B-roll thing. And she's sitting at the desk, mic'd up, talking to a producer. And Epstein just like, you know, either been arrested. This is August, so I guess he was just arrested, right? And um, she is, like, pissed off that she had the story uh, three years ago with one of the supposed, like, victims, victims or, 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 or this woman. Um, uh, I forget her name. It's like uh, Vanessa something or other, but I forget her name. But she goes, we had, we had her testimony. We had, uh, she had pictures. Um, we had... Um, you know, she had um, information on Prince Andrew's connection with the with Epstein and Clinton and all that stuff, and they killed the story. We would keep always being told um, nobody ever. Oh, that's a stupid story. Nobody's heard of Jeffrey Epstein. Nobody knows what the story is. Nobody cares. This is what her producers were, her executives were telling her, and um, and then she goes on to say, you know, uh, what they really were doing was they wanted to interview. This, they wanted to secure this interview with the royal family, with uh, Kate and, oh. and uh, William. So they killed the story. Wow. And we had it three years ago. And this has all, like, been leaked out. So somebody got a hold of this video in the control room or something, recorded it on their phone. And it was they actually determined that it, they found out who it was since it leaked. But it got leaked to... This uh, right-wing group called Project Veritas, they put it on the internet, and, and now it's out there. And then Amy Robach had, and ABC News had to put out the statement that um, it didn't it, – it's not that we killed the story. It just didn't live up to our journalistic standards, walking it back, walking it back. So it's a real black eye for ABC News. Um, but they found out that the, the, the woman who apparently took the footage on her phone used to work at ABC News – and then, like a month later, moved to CBS. But then, when it was determined that she had t like taken this footage off of ABC News, CBS fired her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 
So there's this whole saga going on. You but know, it's, that, but it, that, that's shitty that, it, you know, no, I didn't, I didn't hear this. It's like, I, I forget the guy's name. There was an iconic person for the BBC for like 40 years. He, he, he was a personality, uh, broke bands, you know, like, like almost like a Dick Clark, I think, character. And <laughs> he, I, I don't know if it's, he had passed away or, or if he was still alive. But anyways, it was, there was always these undertones that he liked really young girls. I mean, really young girls. And used his position for decades to, you know, do what he wants. And the BBC was getting ready to run a huge expose on what a piece of shit this guy was. But they had him hold off because they had this like two-hour tribute about his career and his contributions to the music scene that they had already produced and edited and spent all this time. And they're like, well, let's run that first and then we'll run this awful piece. But you know what? We spent all the time and money putting that fluff piece together. The fact that they would kill a horrible story like that, you know, because they wanted to get an interview with, with. Well, I think they also got they got apparently according to Amy Robach, she said that they were getting calls from the royal family to, you know, kill they killed the story, kill the story, and like as good word got back to them apparently. Wow. And um, they they are right, and I guess to put a button on it, uh, ABC News said. Uh, you know, it wasn't living up to our journalistic standards, but don't worry. We fleshed out the story, and now um, early next year, we're going to be putting out a special 2020 episode and a podcast about the Epstein story. So now that he's dead, now we'll be bold, and that yeah, now we can you know we'll run <laughs> advertisement on a podcast and make money off of yeah. Will it will it focus on who who killed him? Ah, I don't know because the official word is that he killed himself. So maybe they'll go with that. You know, but it's so fucking like it's a it you know it's it doesn't make the media look good. It's a, one of these things like God damn it, guys! Right, and then when the other side says fake news, it, it bleeds into it. It gives it legitimacy. Oh yeah. fuck that! All right, well, let's get into sport. Yeah. Oh wait, no, we can't. Oh, we're gonna we're gonna skip the defunct sponsor. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, skip it. No, we don't. We're not sponsored this week. <laughs> um, this is free. This is sponsored by ABC. <laughs> They're so, gonna be defunct in the so so so. What do you got down there for sports? Uh, let's see. This just in a hot off the press. <laughs> no one fucking cares. <laughs> so so. Let's move on. <laughs> good. Um, let's get right into the good stuff. Video games. <laughs> what have you played this week? Hmm. The really the only thing I've been playing. I I got back into Doom. Oh. Like the old school Doom computer game. Cause oh, the, the the 90s version. What are you playing on? I play it on a uh, emulator on my Mac. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's just um, I, I was watching videos of like I watched like I'm kind of like a, a millennial. I kind of watch Let's Play videos from people my age who play retro games. And uh, you know that angry video game nerd? Love him. Yeah. So one of his... Frank Fox. Oh, Fred Fox. Gilbert back to Gilbert. Yeah. But uh, so the guy that he works with, his name's Mike Matei. He does uh, like Twitch streaming and stuff. And one of like he's, he was on a run of doing Doom. And I was like, you know what? He's an influencer. And he's influencing me to want to play a 25-year-old video game on my computer, which I did. And it was fun. So I don't know. I'm playing Doom, Doom 2. Um, you know, those just like... Mid nineties first person shooter type games. 
Uh, I'm a real winner. You? Of course you're not playing anything. Not playing anything. Well, download the stupid... Like, every time you watch a video on the phone, there's always these stupid commercials for Homescape and Gardenscape. So I download the Homescape game because it looks like... It's one kind of game, like never heard of this. Yeah, person. Anyways, it's it's it basically just one of those jewel games where you got to match these things oh, it's a match and clear the screen, yeah. you know, all that. It's a, yeah, it's a time killer kind of. Well, I mean, it really is it's not the cure cancer game that I'm playing. <laughs> right, exactly. And and you know, honestly, and, and like any game, it's like you know, I'm playing it the other day. The oldest one is in his play rehearsal, you know, because I wanted to be as masculine as possible, and. um it's an hour and a half rehearsal, and he gets out of the car, and then he came right back out to, like, get water or something like that. Or so I thought. No. It was an hour and a half later, and he was coming on out, and I was uh, was streaming. Uh, I think it was a Conan. But either way, I literally thought it was just, like, a five, ten-minute thing, and I thought maybe he forgot something. Maybe he was coming out to the car to get water, and he gets in the car, and, you know, I'm finishing the level, and he's like... What are you waiting for? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you're not going back in? No, it's over. <laughs> I'm like, wow, I, um, I'm as bad as he is with games. So, uh, yeah, but that's about it, you know. And and you know, going to the bathroom, you know, it's like, yeah, ten minutes in there now, and instead of five, and not for good reasons, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, back in the old days, you used your phone in the bathroom for. Good reason, yeah. You, you know, Boob Fest 2019. But no, no, no such luck. So that that's <laughs> I about like, my game. I like how there's one festival designated for boobs, and it's an <laughs> annual event because it has the year after it. So, uh, you know, with that said, speaking of video games, it's time for nobody's favorite part of the show: the random video game review of the week, <clears throat> where Jacques. Uh, uh, lumbers over to my Nintendo Entertainment shelf and uh, picks out a game which uh, I have never met before. I've not, <laughs> I've not seen this game before. Um, and now that I'm sitting further away from the wall and some of it is obscured, I can't really glean which game he may have pulled off. I think is it right there. In the J's somewhere? Is it a J game? It's a G game. It's a G game. Oh, that was... Hmm. Is it golf? No, it is No. Is it... Um, is it golf? <laughs> Dwarf on golf? Yeah. Uh, Gradius? No, I don't know. I, I, I give up. Is it... It's a is it Goonies 2? Yeah, but I don't see a Goonies 1. Goonies 2. I believe the story goes is that in Japan, they released a licensed game by... Uh, Konami is the developer of the game. They put out a game in Japan on the Famicom called The Goonies, based on the movie. And then they made a sequel to it that was released in the United States called The Goonies 2. But they're essentially, I think, kind of the same game. Uh, maybe I got the story wrong, but it, it really it's just a it's a game based on the Goonies. It is kind of like a dungeon crawler. You're a Mikey, is that his name? Sean Astin's character, and yeah. you have to save your friends. But it's very it's this weird labyrinthine kind of um, 
layout and you, it's a, it's a platformer too. So you you're in like the basement of the house where the Tortellis are and you're running from the Tortellis. Is it the Tortellis? Maybe no, Tortellis was on uh, Cheers. <laughs> I forget <laughs> I forget who the, uh, the the Fratellis. I think it was the Fratellis. The the mob family in the Goonies movie. I think you're running from them. <clears throat> yeah, you were right. And um yeah, but you have to go in through doors and the door but then it's like it's weird. If you go in through the door and you're on like the south side of the house, then you're out of like you're I guess now you're facing the north side, but it reorients itself. So it's like when you go right, you think you're going right, but you're actually going left. Do you know what I mean? So it doesn't it's not clear. So it's and it's, and it's one of those poorly kind of um it's a it's a poor game. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> it's a poorly coded game. I, I guess it's fun, but you really have to pay attention to. You have to know like the nooks and crannies, and there's a lot of like guessing where things are, and it's it's not very linear. It's um, it's hard to, and it's also one of it's in the era of this was made in Japan, and it wasn't translated very well to English. So good luck figuring things out. And oh, by the way, we might set up some traps and some secrets that you'll never figure out unless you, you know, know how to read kanji or something. You know, so it's. Um, but it actually does. The one saving grace that it does have is that it has an eight-bit version of Goonies Are Good Enough by Cindy Lauper. Oh, so there's that. And by the way, um, this is the what second anniversary of you seeing Goonies for the first time. So congratulations. Although I will say I have played Goonies two before I played Goonies one, so I'm I'd keeping up my tradition. You did <clears throat> So now Jacques gonna heave over the Ultimate Nintendo book by Pat Contry to read a, a, a bit of his review of the Goonies two. Three stars. Uh, in this adventure, Mikey must travel through the Fratelli's hideout and many subterranean caverns to rescue his Goonie pals and mermaid and a mermaid. Yeah, I forgot the mermaid thing. How Mikey met a mermaid is deemed unimportant. <laughs> uh, the game plays in two distinctly different styles. Blah, 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 but three stars, eighty-seven. You know, early. You know, early kind of video game from Nintendo. And uh, um, how many? Uh, how many extra nights at the shop would you have to be putting in overtime to buy this if you didn't have set game on shelf? And if I worked at a shop, I would say. I don't know. This would be probably a. I'm going to say a, a ten dollar game. You know, the most of them were. I found the cheapest I found it was eight bucks. Yeah, okay. but some of them were like you know card only. I saw like in the thirties and stuff. Oh so. wow, that's weird. I mean, they're asking a whole lot. They really are. Yeah, you know. But I couldn't find Goonies one anywhere. So yeah, you know. Sadly, I think it's on Blu-ray. <laughs> what are you watching this past week, Joe? Well, what are you planning on watching coming up? Hmm. What am I watching? Jeez. Uh, Gosh. Did I watch that? <laughs> I don't, no, I don't know what I've been watching. Uh, just like just random bullshit on TV. Maybe I'm spending too much time playing Doom and watching YouTube videos on people playing Doom. I mean, maybe that's, maybe that's why I'm spending my quality time. Oh, you know, I watch the Goldbergs. Um <laughs> Does that count as watching something? Uh, which you, I think I watched the Goldbergs last time you watched, you asked me what I was watching. Not a bad choice. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just, uh, you know, around. 
You? Um, I the only thing I've seen I saw a couple episodes caught up. I think it's only four episodes in of Batwoman, the new CW DC show. And thank God, thank God they finally incorporated a gay character into the DC universe. It was just funny in the comic book Batwoman's gay. Um, but it's just and, – and like I said, I, I'm not always railing on this. It's, it's I don't want it to be a plot point of every episode now. But it, what is really funny is during the show, periodically – you hear a radio broadcaster, like a news person, giving updates on 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 Batwoman and where's Batman and all this, and it's Rachel Maddow. So, ah. I, I, you know, I think that's funny. And then I'm caught up on the Titans on the DC. Like, they, they you know they don't release it like a Netflix thing. They release one episode a week, which is. Uh, it is what it is. You know, it's like I like to binge watch. It's like I don't have much time, but there's these windows where okay, everybody fell asleep. It's early. It's eight o'clock. I can stay up to like eleven and watch like four episodes or something. You know, fast forwarding through the commercials or just you know fast forwarding like you know dumb scenes and stuff like that. My wife hates watching stuff with me because I'll do that. Um, but yeah, so that that's it. I've only watched the Batwoman and because uh, again, I'm a I'm a grown up. I know what I've been watching, or I know things of note I've been watching. One, the neighbor through the rear window. I can see you through my bedroom window. <laughs> Is this Don Knotts? Woo! Ah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> love Dana Gould. Um, no, I, I, I've been uh, slowly getting through Cheers on Netflix, and I finally, oh. finally got to who is Cliff Clavin, the oh, Jeopardy that, episode. The best. Yeah. The best, yeah, and it was great because I I've never seen it before. So when you know Alex Trebek walks in at the end of the at the end of the episode into Cheers, and because you know they were taping in I Boston, know my heart, <laughs> there, yeah, Cliff, you know, if you, spoilers, uh, Cliff was le- he was uncatchable in Jeopardy until Final Jeopardy where he bet it all and didn't make it. Yeah, um, yeah, he couldn't get the answer to the question of like there was basically like three actors, three very famous actors from like one from the fifties, sixties, and seventies. Yeah, and there was their, it was their original real names. And right, you like, had to guess who their acting names were, and they all had played the same like role or something. King Arthur or something like that. Yeah, and yeah, his answer was um, three. Who are three people who have never been to my kitchen? <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, when Alex Trebek walks in at the end. And uh, he sees Cliff, and he sees that Cliff is despondent. But uh, Alex Trebek, uh, you know, Alex Trebek says, "You know what? Um, seeing seeing the way you 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 played, and and put it all on the line and lost, it made me think to myself, you know, what am I doing? Like, you know, it it, it could all just end in a in, in an instant. So I, I'm thinking of just quitting Jeopardy. And then Cliff cheers him up. He says, "No, you're you know you're." You're the the, the the you're the heartbeat of America or something. That's uh, Chevrolet. Uh, <laughs> but he he basically talks Alex Trebek out of quitting Jeopardy, and then um, Woody comes over and says, "Wow, Mister Trebek, it was you know that's very you know that was amazing that you you said all that stuff to to uh, to Cliff." And then <laughs> Alex Trebek reveals, "Oh, I just came in for a beer, but when I saw him sitting at the bar." I had to think of something to make him feel better, so I came up with that story about me quitting. He scares me. 
<laughs> oh, the, the the alternative ending is uh, Cliff storms off and says, "I hope you get cancer and die." And just you know, too soon. Yeah, a little it's too a soon. Uh, a couple other things. Uh, Tournament of Champions on Jeopardy started last week. Jeopardy James came back. Yep. Um, although he wasn't the highest winner, he didn't he, he didn't go all in on a, a daily double, and so he only uh, ended his. Uh, the game with like a paltry thirty thousand dollars. Poor bastards. But somebody else got uh, thirty six thousand dollars. But anyway, so he's going on to next week's uh, semifinals or whatever. But one other game show note: uh, Pat Sajak had an emergency situation. <laughs> Best tweet of the week. <laughs> so right, no, not just the news, not the joke that was made about the news that you're referring to. But apparently, Pat Sajak had to have an emergency operation because he had a uh, what was it like a. a a blocked intestine, <laughs> and um, so, um, yeah, they had a he he couldn't he couldn't tape, and uh, he won't be he'll be out of commission for two weeks. He's recovering, but apparently Vanna White will be filling in for as host. So the ratings for Wheel of Fortune will um, go up, I'm sure, as will my boner. But <laughs> the other thing is that you you know so you're referring to a tweet. About Pat Sajak's blocked intestine surgery, which read how? Uh, I like to buy a bowel. Because <laughs> <laughs> you see oh. you know, the phrase, oh man. But on the bright side, he's a conservative Republican, so good. Um, Joe, he's a fine man. What are you talking about? <laughs> you know, no. I have nothing but nice things to say about everybody who works on Wheel of Fortune. So little, go fuck yourself little, right little, in little your bias, ass. Little, little, no, little nothing. Nothing can be further Gotta from the truth. Give a truckload of money so we can buy your love and affection. I'm not made of steel. They backed up a truckload of money <laughs> to my house. What is your parenting tip for this week? Don't talk with your mouthful. I'm tell your kids to do the same thing. Over. I um so management has been working a lot lately and the other day there was an opportunity and her little one you know literally he got a deck of cards from a friend and they were playing fish and I thought you know I can go and we can do this you know this together thing but then I thought you know what I get a lot of one on one time it'd probably be good for him to have just the one on one time with mom so Try to schedule things so that, you know, that each parent can have one at one time. Um, completely on a different subject, I went and took a nap. So I'm not I'm not saying, you know, have them spend time with your significant other so they can have those bonding moments just so you can take a nap. But if the opportunity presents itself to take a nap while they're doing something bonding together, uh, do so because it's uh, it's it's good for the kid. And while you're taking that nap, stream our podcast because you know what? It doesn't matter if you hear us or not as long as you oh, click. Thank on- you, thank you. What? Thank you. Uh, I would like to know if 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 we got a uh, a good bump and and our. <laughs> In our in our podcasting numbers last week, um, I don't want to I don't want to get anybody's hopes up. Well, let's see if I can <laughs> take take my phone. Oh God! Take a look at the picture. See if you can put some clues together. Okay, I see that our podcast is being streamed on an iPad uh, in a 
it looks to be like an Apple store. <laughs> so management had a management had to go and have a battery put in her phone the other day, and I just just downloaded it. And my oldest one that thought that was the funniest thing, and he went to the two tables around there and started streaming. It's probably just one IP address because of you know it's all on the same. Um, thing, but he well, w- he went and started to play, la- you know, the Carnival Personnel podcast on all the laptops in the Nashua Apple Store the other day. So they get a tax free up there as well. You know, Good for them. So yes, so I just thought that, th- that you would enjoy. You know, yeah. So I won't be so um, I-, I won't be as joyous when I read the <laughs> metrics on this week's podcast. Yeah, going- here, here's our marketing team now. <laughs> so so that's all I got. That's all I got too. So thanks for listening. Go to your nearest Apple store and download Carnival Personnel and uh play it on as many devices as possible because I think that bumps up the numbers and then that way we can get better defunct sponsors. And maybe maybe someday we'll get a live sponsor, but I doubt it. Um Jacques, you you're familiar with sponsors. Oh no, you never actually <laughs> went to AA. <laughs> Um, that's a bad joke. I'm sorry. No, I shouldn't. It's fine. It's it a is. Good joke. It's a good joke. I know, but some people, you know, are in recovery, and you know, it affects a lots of people. Yeah, but hey, their diseases. They got to go drink. It's not like, oh, I got a disease. I got to go to cancer treatment. Uh, what's your disease? Uh, I I have to go to the bar now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and we have to go to hell now because that was awful. <laughs> anyway, Jacques, um, Biff, Floor, everybody else out there. And people at the Apple Store. Attention Kmart shoppers. Don't forget. She's a truly lovely girl. She's Oh